minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, guys, and welcome into the Work Rubber Podcast. This is a podcast where we go over automation, technology, the ability to work wherever, and where we learn to live every day like it is Saturday. Thanks for joining me. I am uh, I'm Roy Edwards. Can't remember if I said that or not. Sometimes I just speak and uh, kind of forget what I say sometimes. So today we are not going over my amnesia, but we're going over automation, and so. A lot of companies now are looking at automation as a way to replace people, which is a super dangerous way to go about automation. And the other way that is dangerous that people are going over automation is they're going through it and they're looking at it as if they already understand the process and they're just winging it, right? Also, super dangerous way to go about automation. And so how do you go about automation would be your natural next question, right? And so what we're going to look at is, and the way that I've always kind of approached DevOps, DevSecOps, which DevOps is development and operations teams together. It's a philosophy of security and operations together running um, your team. They are all communicating together. So you have this communication where you used to have development operations team separate and then your security team was a separate team right and so you had three different teams and as you as you could probably imagine the more teams and the more things that you're trying to uh, get done the more teams that you have the more teams that you have the more avenues for potential miscommunication you have so the theories and philosophies of DevOps and DevSecOps was to bring these teams together as essentially one team to avoid any, that's not my role, that's not what I do type of things, throwing it over the fence, which prolonged development, which actually comes from uh, war strategy. So when you had multiple different areas of war, uh, you know, platoons or battalions or areas that do different things you know you should be brought to brought together under a single mission so that everybody understands what it is ultimately that we're trying to accomplish and go about it that way and so the more since I, you know i've always looked at it as terms of war so i've studied you know i'm a history minor right so i i love history i'm a history buff and i've always approached running a business uh automation and development from a historical point of view. I like to, to, to look at historical people, how they solved big problems, and then see if I can use that in the kind of like uh, format into business and, and automation and technology, which 
kind of like I was actually talking to a buddy the other day about this to say, you know, I, I'm equating and I'm taking these uh, things from historical figures and war uh, generals and then applying them to automation and, uh, you know, as a way to articulate a very complicated thing or what can be seen as a very complicated thing in automation, which stems from, you know, people don't like to talk about things that they don't understand because they don't like to make it seem like that they're not smart, right? Nobody likes to feel like an idiot, right? So the natural thing is to just get out of the conversation. Oh, man, that sounds crazy. And, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to back away from this conversation because I don't want to be made seem like I'm an idiot, which is a bad way to go about things, but it's a natural reaction, right? People don't people don't like to talk about things they don't know about because they don't want to make it seem like they're an idiot. So whenever I'm talking to people and I'm like, they're like, what do you do? And I used to say, I do robotic process automation. And people would be like, oh, cool. And then generally that's where the conversation ends because people don't know what that means. Uh, and then I was like, all right, well, collaborative, I'd build collaborative intelligence. Collaborative intelligence, people are like, I've had people who are in the software field be like, uh, what? Or I had to Google that, you know, kinds of things, right? So that got me thinking, like, how can I articulate this in a way that people understand? And that led me to history. And I was talking to a buddy the other day and I was telling him about this. And he was like, that's the kind of like theory, which I guess Bronson does. I was like, all right, cool. You know, kind of like, all right, I'm going to liberate that start using that kind of like so automation is kind of like war and the art of war and tactics around historical war and so we're going to go over today is the first stage of automation and how to plan automation because that's what you first need is a plan there's multiple steps and multiple stages to automation but we're going to focus on the very first step which is plan. The other stages that we'll break down are design, make, test, deploy, and refine. But today's episode is going to be around planning and how it equates to war. So first off, in planning for automation, you want to identify the four W's. And for those of you who don't know what the four W's are, they are who, what, when, and why. Some people throw the how in there, but how is automation. So uh, let your development team figure that one out, right? The H is for your development team and your design team uh, and capital presence. If you, uh, if you want to, you know, let us figure out the how, right? If you, if you don't want to do it in-house. But before you contact a developer or even talk to a development team, you want to make sure that you are getting into the four W's. The who, what, when, and why. That's right. Good job. Good job, class. So the four, the four W's are extremely important to understanding automation, which is your end, your end game and end goal. And before you do that, before you get to, you know, the how or looking into tools or buying software, or doing any of that stuff, you want to need to understand the four W's. That should be your first, your first step, because if you try to do anything else, the just wing it approach, you're going to end up in trouble. And so I started looking at some of the famous war um war generals and one of the ones that came i came across was uh napoleon napoleon was a very famous french um 
I guess he was a, a general or he ultimately became like, I believe he was like the president or the emperor or the, uh, you know, he was head of France. And so he, he is a, a very, he's known as like a brilliant military mind. And he was at war with essentially the world really, but much of Europe. Uh, and he tried to uh, invade in, in Russia at one point. And so between, I believe it was, uh, I don't have the years written down, but between 1802, I believe, and 1813, he was essentially at war with the, 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 the entire Eastern world, right? So if the United States is the West, you know, Europe and, uh, and into Eastern Europe, he was, uh, he was at war trying to establish France and trying to build France into this, uh, which he ultimately did, build it into a, a powerhouse. And so he had uh, established the French the French power influence uh, all the way across across Europe. And he decided that he wanted to bring Russia in into his his fold. He wanted to to bring Russia into this and he was actually going to attack Russia. And so you it, before this, he the so the the campaign, which I believe it's called the Russian campaign, was it took place in June of 1812. And so at, by this time, if you remember the dates that I gave you or the years of 1802 to 1813, I believe, which was, was um, the, the kind of the wars of Napoleon, we're already well into that, right? We're, we're close to the end here. And so in 1812, he was like, I'm going to go to the Russian campaign. And so he had at this at this point in time, he had between 450 and 600,000 French soldiers, depending on sources and who you ask, who were part of this campaign. And so this campaign began in June of uh, 1812, which if you're in America, June sounds like summer. But uh, there were the the uh, there was some elements that he had to deal with uh, weather included here. And so of the 450,000 to 600,000, let's call it 500,000 soldiers just to cut the middle, about 10,000 of it made it home and it lasted about six months. So it was seen as a huge failure and the, the, his reputation as a military genius was essentially shattered. People, um, began to question Napoleon and uh, European allies withdrew their support of him and his goal for uh, bringing Russia into the fold. And the French army was, uh, it, it was, it was depleted. And the, the French dominance of Europe was uh, drastically weakened to say the least. So France had this, you know, hold on Europe, where they were seen as a military powerhouse and people were willing to get behind them. And, uh, but this, this approach to tackling Russia, which was a relatively unknown at the time failed. And so why did it fail? That's the question that we want to understand because up until this, Napoleon had innovated the art of war. He had, uh, you know, a lot of what he had done is used in the, t into technology these days, uh, as to what what he did, what he was doing right, we see a lot of tech companies, startups, start to uh, take those tactics, and that's where we get a lot of the practices of DevOps. It's not derived directly from Napoleon, but when you look at it and you take uh, and you study his war tactics and how he innovated it, 
you see those same tactics into DevOps, into technology. And so let's take a look at why he lost, and then we'll talk about why he was seen as a great military mind. But he lost, and he failed to conquer Russia in 1812 for several reasons, but let's break them down. The first one was faulty logistics. So he didn't fully understand what he was getting into in terms of how he was going to spread out his resources, how he was going to tackle things, and the logistics of it were faulty. Second was poor discipline, which is kind of uh, odd when you think about Napoleon because up until this state, up until the 1812 uh, camp Russian campaign, his he was seen as having a military force that was uh, well aware of what the mission was. And they were, while they weren't the most disciplined um, military unit, they always knew what they were fighting for and they were very strategical in how they approached things. So having poor discipline uh, at this point and stage of Napoleon was a bit odd. Next would be disease you know, it, it did come in and, and wipe out a lot of it, which, you know, is something that you, you know, can account for sometimes. But, you know, sometimes diseases is, is it, it, it does things right. <laughs> and you're just there's nothing you can do about it. And then the last one would be the weather. And so there were weather that, you know, attributed to disease and some other aspects. So let's take a look at that and break it down into tech. So why he lost logistics, poor discipline and processes disease, which could be external forces and, and uh, viruses, and then the weather, which would be environment. He failed to account for the environment. And so Napoleon's method of warfare was based on uh, a rapid concentration of his forces uh, at a key place to destroy the enemy. That was his thought process, which up until this point of 1812, he took an opposite approach where he uh, attacked things from multiple different angles and he was very had a very innovative approach. Whereas in this approach, he tried to just get everybody together and kind of brute force. And he had this uh, a winging it approach. And so in this, you'll see some people who said like, there are, there are movies and shows that have kind of poked fun at Napoleon's approach where they say it was a uh, let's show up and see what happens approach. We have so many people, we're just going to go in there and, and we're going to overpower them. No real plan. Where up until this point, you could say that he was one of the most innovative uh, war generals of all time. So Napoleon's background was a uh, – he was an artillery – what is it? Artillery? Artillery? An artillerist, I guess, is the way that you would say it. But he, he has background was in art, artillery. And so up until this point, what made him such a, uh, a promising and loved and um, somebody who that militaries, generals uh, have since modeled was that he stuck to and he focused on his strengths. And his strengths were in artillery. He understood it. And so he innovated ways to uh, spread out his ammunition. So he didn't – I believe he had a shortage in um, military weapons, so guns. So he had uh, three guns for every 100 or 1,000 soldiers. 
And what he did instead was he figured out a way to overcome that through uh, his knowledge of artillery. That's what made him so so good was he understood what needed to become accomplished. He understood the mission and he stuck to his strengths and he expanded on his strengths and he built plans around his strengths, which were artillery. And so where Napoleon did innovate was in the firepower of his guns. And so rather than dispersing them among the infantry and saying, hey, you know, we don't have enough guns to go around, he got innovative. He dug in and he said, hey, what can we do? I understand this very, very well. This is my strength and I'm going to play to it. And it ended up becoming a, a massive part of what made him so successful. And so when faced with superior numbers, because when he was first starting out, when Napoleon was first starting out, he was going against far superior numbers. He didn't have the 450 to 600 military members. He was on the other end of that, defeating armies like that. And so when he was faced with superior numbers, he would divide the enemy army and, uh, and he would do, divide out his military and make it seem, and he would he would go in these odd patterns to to divide the the army that was uh, the enemy, because the enemy army at the time it was very much a I'm going to overpower you, much like Napoleon when he failed was a uh, show up and see what happens. We have the numbers, and so he would divide that. So the the enemy would say, you know, oh they're coming in from the east. Oh they're coming in from the west. And so they would start to try and plan to try to get people in place to uh, account for what seemed like they were coming in from one direction when really he was coming in from all directions and splitting up the enemy. And since the enemy relied on brute force numbers, then he was able to divide and 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 conquer the uh, the enemy. And so he got away from that. And so where he was strategically planning prior to and focusing on his strengths, because he became so uh, built up on his own military knowledge, he forgot that innovating was key. And instead he relied on, oh, well, we got so many numbers. Let's just go into Russia. Let's, let's attack Russia. When he really didn't understand the logistics, the environment, he didn't understand uh, what diseases or viruses might be uh, as part of this environment. And he didn't focus on his strengths. He just winged it, right? Where he was going about this in a way that he had no discipline. Show up and see what happens. And so what we can learn from Napoleon is that when you show up and wing it, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how much you've innovated in the past, if you get away from your strengths and you know are no longer focusing in on your strengths, you are going to enter areas of unknown that are going to bring about uh, bring apart and bring about logistical concerns and lack of discipline. And when you have faulty logistics and poor discipline, that opens up the door for attacks, disease, and environmental unknowns.
no matter where you're at. If you're at war, then you, it opens up to a disease that you weren't you weren't ready for because people are eating things they don't know that they can eat. They're going places they don't know where they can go. There's a new environment. There's all kinds of things that can invite in disease that you you weren't accounting for. But in a t technical state, so let's equate this now to a technical environment. If you have faulty logistics and you have poor discipline. Members are going to start clicking on things, doing things they don't know what they're doing. They're going to go apart and they're going to enter into this unknown. And then that opens up the door, the door for a cyber attack, for malware, for some sort of disease to enter into your environment. That's going to halt your production and halt your systems and potentially lock up your your whole enterprise. I mean, that that it doesn't take much Googling or understanding to know that people are out there trying to maliciously shut down your servers and hold it for Bitcoin. I mean, that, that's a real thing. Uh, ransomware is a, is a big deal. The other part of that is the, the weather. He didn't understand the weather. He didn't, this was a whole different side of Europe, whole different side of the globe. And so in bringing in, he didn't really truly understand this environment. And if you truly don't understand the environment that you're about to try and move your business into, you're trying to move into automation, you're trying to move into this new uh, shiny new toy. If you're trying to do it and you don't understand the environment, you, that is going to play a major role into why you fail. Now, you could say that Napoleon didn't fail because of the environment. You could say that he didn't fail because of disease. You could say he didn't fail because of poor discipline because when he was doing the other things, he did not exactly have great discipline either. But, And you could say that he didn't fail because of faulty logistics. But when you add all of those things together, faulty logistics, poor discipline, disease, and weather slash environment, when you add all these things together, your business might not fail because it has poor logistics or because it has poor process discipline or because it, because of viruses or malware or because of a lack of understanding of an environment. It might not fail because of one of those, but when you add all those together, that'll kill you. You're done at that point. They say, so I got into, I'm an apiast, which is a, uh, a beekeeper. I got into beekeeping. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example of how this applies. I, I, I became a beekeeper uh, this past year. And they said that there are three things that'll kill a hive. Disease, starvation, and uh, intruders like uh, beetles, right? And the hive can deal with one of the three. They can deal with low food. They deal with low food. They actually go and they'll, it's pretty brutal. They'll kill the males um, so that only the worker bees. So they'll just cut down and say, hey, the, our overhead is too expensive <laughs> to bring it into tech. But they'll wipe out the unnecessary. So they'll wipe out all males. They'll just brutally kill them so they can survive the winter. The next one would be uh, uh, sickness and illness. They can get past illness because they can just, the queen will lay more and they can work through it and they can actually produce a hive uh, with an, an illness. They'll get through it. The next is fighting off intruders, wasps, beetles. They can fight off intruders. In fact, a hive will... Uh, fight off some beetles and wasps. It's pretty cool to watch them. And they have these things called under under uh, undertaker bees, which will bring the beetles and the dead out of the hive to keep it clean. It's, it's a really cool thing uh, to see. And so they, a hive can deal with one of these at a time. Two of them, your odds aren't looking good. 
three of them and your hive's done. So you have to manage these three. You can deal with one at a time. Just like Napoleon. He could have dealt with faulty logistics and poor discipline and disease and, and the weather. He could have dealt with one. In fact, he had made a military name in dealing with poor discipline. That was part of what made him great. Is that they didn't have great discipline. In fact, they weren't trained militant militants. They just kind of had this agile wing it approach. But in large numbers, when he didn't focus on the other areas, it ended up being his demise. So you can deal with faulty logistics. You can deal, deal with poor discipline. You can deal with disease and the, and the weather. Or to bring it back to technology, you can deal with poor logistics, poor discipline, viruses, and an unknown environment. But if you have all four, or three or four, or half, you know, half, you can deal with one. Any more than that, and you're in, you decrease your rate of success. And so that's what Napoleon didn't understand. He he started to get away from what he knew, and he started to just get into the brute force. That's why when he sent those 500,000 in June of 1812, after he had already had darn near a decade of military experience and poise and innovative approaches to, to war, he only came home with about 10,000 and made it home six months later. And it, and it, it crippled France and his allies started to pull out. So the, the example that we can understand and learn from Napoleon here is focus on your strengths, okay? Napoleon had defeated massive armies through tactical breakdowns and reverse engineering of the battlefield. That's how he did it. He got away from that when he started to grow. Napoleon's strategies consisted of excellent maneuvering, flanking, and isolating the enemy. That's what he did previous. He got away from all of that in the Russian campaign and tried to overpower an environment and he ran into four things, which you could deal with one of them probably, but he ran into four. So in your own, in own environment, you cannot deal with too many things at once. So the, the whole show up and see what happens plan, it didn't work for Napoleon and it won't work for you. Make sure that you identify your four W's, who, what, when, and why, before you even think about automation, before you even enter into the battlefield, before you even be, think about showing up, before you go anywhere, before you leave your base, so to speak. Plan. Identify who, what, when, and why. Who is triggering this? Who, do I, who is this for? What are we trying to accomplish? When does this happen? When does this thing happen? When does the trigger happen? When does this process happen? And why does this process happen? Why are we doing this? If you can't answer those four W's, then it doesn't deserve to be automated. That's just, that's just point blank simple. If you can't answer these four W's, then don't even think about automation. Handle it in a different way. So that is... Uh, the first step in automation, guys, focus on the four W's, learn from Napoleon, learn from his bad habits, and hopefully you got a lot out of this. I'm going to be breaking down 
automation. And we're going to be putting together an introduction to automation masterclass that'll go over all of these steps to automation from beginning to end. And it'll be part of our online academy uh, masterclass courses, which uh, is going to be launching in the new year. We'll be going, I have a DevOps introduction to DevOps course, which I've already, I've already recorded that. Uh, we have an introduction to Microsoft SharePoint, which I've already recorded. Uh, that's actually free. There's a free version of that that's actually available on our YouTube. So if you go to our youtube.com uh, slash at Capital Presence, that'll pull you up. You'll see the introduction to to SharePoint. It's actually up there. I recorded a couple of years ago. I'm redoing that for the updated SharePoint. That'll be online Academy as well. So we'll have introduction to DevOps, uh, business communication masterclass. We'll have a Microsoft 365 Power User masterclass up there. Um, <clears throat> so we'll be releasing a lot of different trainings throughout the year. We're, we're starting out with the 365 Masterclass and the Microsoft Teams training. Those will be on uh, Online Academy, uh, which will be a paid subscription platform for training and masterclasses that you can subscribe to. Uh, we're gonna be putting a lot of content on our YouTube at Capital Presence. So guys, check those out. And then these podcasts, we're, we're not gonna get super tactical on these podcasts, but we're gonna I'm gonna give you the baseline. So plan, that's a baseline, right? If, and the more that we get into how to plan, uh, how to write, go through those four W's, that'll be part of the masterclass, the introduction to automation masterclass that'll be up on online Academy. So hopefully you guys got a lot, a lot out of this. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like subscribe, share this out for anybody. If you have any other businesses or, or friends and family who are looking to automate and they're, they're looking to enter into the unknown, just send them this link and be like, Hey guys, maybe you should, maybe you should listen to this podcast uh, before you jump in. So thank guys. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. And remember to live every day like it's Saturday. Mm-hmm.